I'm excited about this series because we're going to be navigating and going through the book of Galatians together as a church for the next six weeks. And we're going to talk on the subject of freedom. And I'm, I'm praying and believing that, and I know for a fact, two things are going to happen throughout the course of this series. Two things are going to happen throughout the course of this series. The first thing that's going to happen is this. The first thing that will happen is uh, uh, some bondages that you may be bound by will be exposed throughout the course of this series. Some bondages you may not have even known that you were bound by will be exposed in this series. And the second thing that's going to happen, guaranteed, is you're going to be free. You're going to experience freedom. And so I'm excited about this series because I know by the end of this series, there's going to be a bunch of free people in this church. Free from bondages you may not have even known you were bound by. And so I'm excited and super, uh, man, amped getting into this series uh, in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bible this morning, go with me to Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to jump right into this. Galatians chapter 1. And just to kind of give you kind of a, 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 kind of a set the scene uh, uh, thing for us here, to set the stage for us really quick, the book of Galatians is actually a letter. It is a letter written uh, by the Apostle Paul. The word apostle simply means an overseer. Uh, Paul is a, is, a, is a church planter. He, he starts churches up and he, he oversees uh, churches. So he's the Apostle Paul. And so this Galatians is actually a letter written to the church in a city called Galatia. And, and, and so we're going to read this letter that he writes to this church that he started. And so if you don't know anything about the Apostle Paul, Paul at one time was the ultimate hater of Jesus. He hated Jesus, hated anything that had to do with Jesus. He killed Christians. Like that's, what, that's who Paul was. And so Paul had an encounter with Jesus. Paul had a life-changing, transformative encounter with Jesus that changed his whole life. He went from being a hater of Jesus to being a lover of Jesus. And so Paul, in this passion and this love for Jesus, wanted to tell people about Jesus. And so what he would do is he would take this gospel, this good news about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, died on a cross for sins. Now we can be forgiven of sin, and we can now have new life in Jesus. We can now be part of the family of God. And so Paul took this message, and he would travel to different regions, and he would preach this gospel. And he would go to a region that didn't know about Jesus and didn't know the gospel of Jesus, and he would preach it. And out of that, a church would form. And so he would build up and raise up a church. And then after Paul would raise up leaders within that church to, to lead that church, he would then move on to another region, another city, and do the same thing there and repeat the process. Well, in this particular church in Galatia, through a group of Galatians, Many in, the, in Galatia, in this church of, uh, of Galatians, was, they, were, they were what we call Gentiles. They were non-Jews. And so this message to these Gentiles, this message to these Galatians was, hey, you don't have to be a Jew to be a part of the family of God. 
Because Jesus did an incredible work on the cross. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can now be part of the family of God. Your sins can be forgiven and you can have eternal life in Jesus. Well, that's exciting news. And so these non-Jews are now getting to experience and know what it is to be in the family of God. And so Paul leaves this church to go start another church. And in the process some Jews decide to sneak into this church and begin to preach and teach something different, something contrary to what Paul had been preaching. So let's just read and get into this here. Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, reads this way. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Okay, stop right there. Two key words that I want you to scope in and focus in on this morning is the two words, different gospel. Different gospel. Paul is now addressing this church. Now, Paul couldn't just uh, 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 web chat into this church. Paul couldn't just get on a plane and hop on a plane and get to Galatia. No, Paul had to write a letter. Because Paul got word that there were some of these leaders that were going into this church and they were preaching this different gospel. So now Paul is addressing the church. He goes, man, I'm astonished. So I'm really surprised at you. I'm surprised that you're listening and falling into this different gospel. So what was this different gospel? Well, remember, he was speaking to uh, uh, Gentiles. He was speaking to non-Jews. And he was telling them that they are now part of the family of God because of all that Jesus had done. But now these, these, these Jewish leaders step into this church and they say, hey, yeah, that's good and all of what Jesus did on the cross. It's good that, that, that because of what he did, you can be part of the family of God. But you know what? That's not it. In fact... There's something a little bit extra that you got to do to really be a part of the family of God. And so what they begin to preach is what Jesus did was not enough for them. What Jesus did on the cross was not enough for them to be a part of the family of God. What Jesus did on the cross was not enough for them to be forgiven of sin, was not enough for them to have eternal life. No, they said in order to be really part of the family of God, you got to abide by the customs that we've been abiding by all of our lives. You Gentiles need to do like us Jews do. 
You need to obey the Torah. You, you need to eat the foods and not eat the foods that we don't eat. You need to abide by the law. Oh, yeah, and most importantly, um, you must be circumcised. Yeah, probably the same reaction that many of the men in the church in Galatia had. You got to remember, Jewish men, they were circumcised eight days after birth. So they don't remember what that was. Now you're talking to grown men. Like, can you imagine the membership class the next week, how short it was? Like, just the wives showed up? Like, nah, baby, I ain't going to church this morning. No. Uh-uh. No. They were like, yes, to, to, to be a part of the family of God, to truly be a part of the family of God, you can accept what Jesus did, but you also got to do this also. Because what Jesus did just, just isn't enough. And what it's really doing is it's answering the question that many of us have is, what does it take for us to be godly? What does it really take for you to be a godly person? What does it really take for me to be a godly person? And so they begin to preach this different gospel. In other words, it's a, it's a different approach uh, uh, to how we uh, approach God. Ultimately, it's a perversion of the gospel. It's a perversion of the good news of Jesus. Amen. It's a perversion. It's a perversion that is preached that what Jesus did is not enough for you to be godly. There's some extra things you must do to be godly. And here's the thing. This is, this is not, though we see that there, and you know what? The reality is we see that nowadays too. It's the same thing. There are people walking in the faith. There are people who claim Christianity. There are people who claim to be followers of Jesus that still aren't convinced that Jesus did it all. There are people that are convinced that there's other things that they must do to be godly outside of what Jesus had already done. But this is, no, though we see this nowadays, we see this in the church of Galatia. This has been going on since the beginning of creation. We see this in the book of Genesis as well. Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, creates every living being, takes the dust of the earth and begins to form a, a, a man. He begins to shape man. He, he breathes life into man who we know as Adam. Doesn't like the fact that Adam is alone. Creates for himself, creates for Adam a, a, a wife, Eve. And God, what we see even in creation, that God is, is, is demonstrating a love for Adam. He's showing a, a perfect communion and relationship with Adam. In fact, let's just, let's just read uh, some of the portions here in Scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. If, you don't, uh, if you're not there, you can follow along on the screen. Genesis 2, 8 says this, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. We know the Garden of Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's jump down to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, so what's going on here? God is demonstrating to Adam how much he loves him. He's saying, look, I've created you, and, and I've placed you in this beautiful, lustrous garden. And I, I, I imagine this in my head how it was. I imagine uh, uh, God walking with Adam and taking him through this entire garden. Taking him around the garden, taking him, seeing all the trees, all the vegetation, all the beauty of the garden. Saying, Adam, this is all yours. This is all yours, all of it. Look how beautiful it is. Look how it feels. Look how it smells. Look, this is all your Adam. I am demonstrating my love for you. I'm showing you how much I love you. Now, let me ask you a question. What did Adam do to earn the Garden of Eden? Nothing. There was nothing Adam did to earn God's, God's grace being bestowed on him in the Garden of Eden. There was nothing Adam did. There was nothing Adam said. There was no action that Adam did. There was no, Adam didn't do anything. He was just created. He was just there. And God places him in this beautiful paradise called Eden. And so he tells Adam, he says, look, all, you can eat of everything on here. It's all yours. Look how beautiful it is. But he says, hey, check this out. Though this is all yours, hope you like it. I still got to establish that I am Lord of your life. Like, it, it still needs to be made known to you that I'm God. It still needs to be made known to you that I'm, I'm Lord. So, so, Adam, you see this one tree. One tree. That's my tree. Adam, just, just reserve that one tree for me. Everything else is yours. Everything else is yours. Have at it. Enjoy it. But this one tree, just, just don't touch it. We're good? Good. Great. Then Genesis 3 happens. Genesis 3, verse 1, says, Now the serpent, talking about Satan, the devil, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, uh, you won't surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So, so here we see God just gives Adam this one instruction. Just don't touch the tree. This is my tree. This is reserved for me. We're good. We're good. Well, then Satan comes in the form of a serpent, and he goes to Eve, and he says, hey, did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Did, like, did he really say that? And she's like, well, yeah, he said that. And uh, 
said, if we eat from it, we'll, we'll die. And Satan said, well, no, nah, that can't be true. God's just afraid. He's just afraid that when you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open. And you will become what? Like God. You notice that he's not, he's not enticing uh, 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 Eve with, with other things. He's not showing her she can have this, she can have that, whatever. He says, look, you want to be more like God? You want to be godly? Then I need you to do this extra thing. Because it takes you doing this extra thing that makes you godly, that makes you like God. It takes you doing this extra thing to be approved by God. It takes you doing this extra thing to be loved by God. But here's the thing. Adam and Eve, they were already approved by God. Adam and Eve were already loved by God. God had already demonstrated to them grace. He had already shown them, hey, this garden is yours. Can't you just see my love for you? I'm giving it to you, and you did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. But here you go, my kids. Satan says, you know, no, that's, that's, that's not right. That's just not enough. If you truly want to be like God and you truly want to be godly, then you need to do something extra. And so what do we know happens? Eve takes from the fruit of the tree, eats of it, gives it to her husband. And the Bible says that their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked and they became ashamed. And everything went downhill from there because now sin crept in to humanity. And it was man's attempt to do a little more. See, man couldn't just be satisfied with what God had already done for them. Adam should have just been satisfied with the fact that, hey, I've got a garden here that's beautiful, it's paradise. And I didn't have to do anything for this garden. But it wasn't enough. It just didn't seem right. I think we got to do a little something extra. And see, and that's the message of the different gospel. See, God has bestowed and demonstrated his love for us through Jesus. He says, I'm giving you salvation, and you do nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. I'm just showing you that I love you. But see, the different gospel is focused on what you can do. The different gospel is focused on what you can do to be godly. What you can do to be approved by God. That's the different gospel. That's the lie of the different gospel. What you can do. Man, if I could just read my Bible more, man, then I'll be godly. If I could just pray more, then I'll be godly. If I could just attend church more, just come to church six days a week, then I'll be more godly. That's on what you can do. And that's the lie that many of us have bought into when we come into the faith. We buy into a lie that there is more for us to do to be godly. We bought into the lie that there are more things that we have to do to be saved. 
but it's focused on what you can do. When the real gospel is focused on what Jesus has already done. What Jesus has already done is he has taken all of our sin. He's taken all of our shame. He's taken all of our guilt. He nailed it on the cross with him. When he died, that died. And because of that, we can be forgiven of our sins. Now, let me ask you a question. What did you do to earn that? Nothing. Amen, Josh. Amen. See, the different gospel is saying, what, what can you do? What can you do to be more godly? What can you do to look more godly? You need to read more. You need to pray more. You need to be in church more. You need to, you need to not cuss. You need to not watch rated R movies. You need to not drink beer. You need to not do. If you can do all these different things, man, that makes you more godly. But none of that, none of that played any part in what Jesus did on the cross. None of that contributed to your salvation. You not cussing did not contribute to your salvation. I didn't get saved because I saw you not cussing anymore. I didn't get saved because you don't watch rated R movies. I didn't get saved because you don't drink beer. I didn't get saved because of X, Y, and Z. I solely receive salvation because of what Jesus has done for me. That's the difference between the different gospel and the real gospel. See, some of you are bound by the different gospel. You're bound thinking that you got to do more. You're bound thinking that you got to perform more. See, the different gospel uh, is trying to earn God's approval. Like, I want God to be happy with me, so I better not do this. I want God to be happy with me, so I better speak this way. I better dress this way. But see, the real gospel is just about you sitting back, falling back, receiving the love of God. That's the real gospel. Different gospel says, I do X, Y, and Z so God can be happy with me. And there are many people for years and years and years who've been walking with that bondage when it comes to your faith in Jesus. Because you think it's faith in Jesus and something else. You think it's faith in Jesus and me performing. It's faith in Jesus and me not doing these things. No, your salvation comes in Jesus alone. In Jesus alone. You don't have to try to do things to earn his approval. Just fall back and receive the love of God. We sang about it this morning. We sang about it. We declared it this morning that he loves us. That he loves us. It doesn't say that he loves us because of. It just says that he loves us. What do we read in the scriptures, uh, Romans 5, 8? But God showed his love for us, and then while we were still sinners, while you were still ratchet, while you were still wicked, while you were still evil, while you were still sleeping around, while you were still drinking, while you were still doing drugs, while you were still doing all these wicked things, God loved you. He loved you. You can clap for that. 
You can get excited for that. What draws, what draws a young man like Chris to weep talking about the love of Jesus? What draws you to weep talking about the love of Jesus? Because you knew where you were. You knew how filthy you were. You knew how evil you were. You know those wicked things that you've done that nobody else knows about. You know those secret things that you've kept hidden and hoping that it never gets exposed. You know all that mess that you've done and the fact that God still loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was no prerequisite for Jesus to die on the cross for us. We just had to be. But we fall in the lie of the different gospel. We fall in the bondage of the different gospel. That says that it's based off something that we do. That Jesus loves us. It's based on something that we've got to become in order for God to love us. But he loves you. He loves you regardless of your sin. He doesn't love your sin. He doesn't love your sin. I love my two girls to death. But just because they disobey me, just because at one point they may disappoint me, doesn't mean that my love for them has changed. It doesn't mean that my love for them, my affection for them is going to change. Because they're still my daughters. But yet while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Now, here's, here's the thing that we all got to come to this morning, and this is the freedom choice that we have to make, because the reality is this freedom that we walk in is a choice. It really is a choice. But there are three things I'm going to leave us with this morning that hopefully put us on track to walk in the freedom that God so desires for us to walk in. See, I don't want to be bound by the lies of the different gospel. I don't want to be bound by the lies of religion. I don't want to be bound by the lies of what we call legalism. Because it's not about legalism. It's not about what we abide by. It's about receiving the love of God. And we receive the love of God by accepting and receiving all that Jesus has done for us. So three things I want us to do, three things, three steps that we need to take in order for us to truly walk in the freedom that God has called us to. Number one, the first thing that we must do, as simply as it's put, is to fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Right? What that's saying is there, it's not, it's not, hey, keep my commandments so you love me. No, it's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments, meaning I, I, I obey your commands because not out of obligation, but I obey your commands because I love you. It's, it's, it's like our, our marital relationship that I'm in with my wife. I do things for her not out of obligation, but I do things for her because I love her. See, if you love somebody, it doesn't become obligation for you. 
You do it just because you know it's, it's, this is right. Like, like we, we've got a, a relationship here. I, I do this for her because I, I, I love her. I don't not cheat on my wife because I'm afraid I'm going to get caught. I don't cheat on my wife because I love her. Right? Whether she's with me or she's not. It's the same with our relationship with the Lord. We don't not sin because we're afraid we're just going to get struck down. Like we, look, if, if we were really afraid of God, truly, like we were like just genuinely afraid of God, we wouldn't sin. Like, like, like the, the, the fear of God is not, is not fully in a lot of people because we still continue to sin. But when your perspective changes to now saying, hey, man, I'm just falling in love with you. I do this because I love you, not out of obligation, not because I think you'll love me more, not because I think I'm going to be approved by you, but I do this because I love you. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Get to know him better. Know and see and understand the finished work of the cross of Jesus. That because of that, you've received salvation. He loves you. Fall in love with Jesus. The second thing we must do to walk in this freedom is this. Don't allow condemnation. Don't allow condemnation. We know this passage, Romans 8.1, right? For therefore there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. Say no condemnation. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has what? Set you free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation. But he see, here's the catch with that. Don't allow condemnation. It's not just towards you, but also condemnation towards others. Did you catch that? Don't allow the thought of condemnation towards you, but also don't allow the thought of condemnation towards others. Because, see, we can be really good at condemning other people. See, the Holy Spirit is not the one in your ear saying, hey, you prayed for 30 minutes. You should have prayed for an hour. God is mad at you. The Holy Spirit is not the one saying, hey, you read 10 chapters of the Bible, but you should have read 20. God is mad at you. You should have been to church on Sunday, but you slept in. The pastor is mad at you. Right? Like, 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 that's the voice of condemnation. That's the lie and bondage of the different gospel. But we don't receive condemnation. Why? Because Jesus doesn't condemn us. There's no condemnation. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. So I don't receive that condemnation. See, unfortunately, the reason why many people leave the faith 
is because in their minds, they just can't keep up. I can't keep up. I can't, I can't match that standard. Man, I, I watch Sergio, man, and he's a godly father, and he's a godly man, man. He, he, man, he carries his big old, you got your big old Bible with you, man? You got your big old, like he carries his big old textbook Bible with him. Like, like man, I, I just can't do that. And what happens is that's the standard that, that we set when we begin to look at other godly men and women. We think, I just can't do that. What's the point? What's the point? I can't get up at 5 in the morning to pray. Oh, my gosh. When I pray, man, I only seem to pray for like five minutes. I can't pray for 30 minutes. I can't pray for an hour. Man, oh, my gosh, God is mad at me. And so what happens is, is that we feed into that lie. And, and so we, we just think, man, what's the point? Like, I seemed more free when I wasn't saved. And now I'm trying to meet these standards that I just can't seem to meet because we're comparing ourselves with other people when the only one we need to be looking to is Jesus. And you know what? Jesus was perfection. And you will never reach that perfection until the day of Jesus Christ. But until then, he's perfect for you. He's righteous for you. He's godly for you. And so we don't receive condemnation. We don't walk in condemnation. We just want to fall in love with Jesus. And thirdly, we've got to make the choice every day to walk in this freedom. We've got to make the choice every single day to walk in the freedom that Jesus has provided for us. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call, on, call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live. This freedom is a choice. When you get up in the morning, you choose to walk in this freedom. You choose to walk in this life. You choose to walk in the salvation that Jesus has provided for you. You choose to walk in the righteousness that Jesus provides for you. It's a choice. But unfortunately, there may be someone here today that are so bound up by legalism. You're bound up in the fact that you feel you're just not doing enough. You're bound up in the fact that you think God is mad at you. You're bound up in the fact that you start comparing yourself to other people and say, man, I, I just, I'm just not there. And since I'm not there, clearly God is not pleased with me. Since I'm not there, clearly God is upsetting me. Since I'm not there, truly I'm not a godly person. But this morning, all I'm telling you to do is to rest in the fact that Jesus provides your salvation. Jesus makes you holy. Jesus makes you righteous. Jesus makes you approved by God. Jesus makes you a part of the family of God.